0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host Robert Manny welcoming you to the show. I I don't know if I if everybody can hear me, so I'm I'm going to bring my guest on right now and see if we can talk. If not, we'll have to try get something going again, but it is September 6th. It's my favorite show of the season. It's it's all about fantasy football and I'm not sure what's going on if you guys can hear me. So let me bring the guest on and see if we've got something going. Scott, can you hear me?
0: Hey, Robert. Yes, I can. How are you?
1: Okay, good, because my I, my theme music didn't go on. At least I didn't hear it, but you can hear me, so I guess we're on the air. Yep. Good. Okay, I'm going to actually just, while we're talking here, I'm going to text somebody to ask them to listen to the show just to see if they can hear it, if you don't mind. Just give me one second. Um, my guest tonight is the fantasy football Sherpa, Scott Sweeney. Uh, he's got a fantasy football, uh, fantasy football service, and also a fantasy baseball service. And Scott, while I'm uh, sending this text, could you be so kind as to tell us where everybody can find your information?
0: Sure, thanks, Robert. I'm at uh, fantasyfootballsherpa, S H E R P A dot com, and I'll be posting picks uh, throughout the season, especially this year with the emphasis. Um, being shifted to uh daily fantasy sports, I'll be posting a lot more content about daily fantasy football as you may have noticed uh the the big um daily fantasy sports companies are, are pretty much carpet bombing the the print and uh um radio and t v waves with uh ads for their games, so I'll be doing a lot more um daily fantasy football content this year and also uh hosting my own show on vlog talk radio. On um, Wednesday nights at uh, 9.30 Eastern, called 4th and Inches with Jana and the Sherpa. My co-host Jana Kimmel and I are just starting into our sixth season for the show, so we're really looking forward to that.
1: Oh, fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, because I couldn't hear my theme music, I didn't know if we were on the air, but I was going to do just a little bit of a lead-in for you, Scott, and uh, talk about how big fantasy football has become. Uh, I was just reading an article in uh today's post, and it said uh, spending and saving tracker said that 74.7 million Americans plan to participate in fantasy football this year, spending $4.6 billion. That's incredible. And it's, it's really it's gambling that you don't have to pay taxes on. Um, 57 million people uh, above the age of 12 and above, actually, are participating. Uh, one in five of the people playing is female and 40% of the players will participate in more than one fantasy league. So, uh where are they playing? Well, a lot of people 54% are in ESPN's league, Yahoo Sports has 40% and CBS Sports 29%. So, you can see that this is part of the fabric of uh of American sport and uh, and uh, the whole American football culture. And it's like something that, you know, I've been in a fantasy uh baseball league for 20 years and Scott's been in a number of them, and I don't think it's uh, – I think it's that's more for the diehards. Fantasy football has been more embraced, embraced by the NFL, uh, whereas baseball, until recently, they haven't realized that, like, you know, it's keeping fans in the game. And football has really acknowledged that a lot earlier. Any, any thoughts on that, Scott?
0: Well, I think just to the casual observer, too, you know, football is probably a little bit easier – to understand than baseball is. I think there are a lot more nuances to baseball. You know, football is – I mean, I guess you could argue baseball, the point is to score runs. Football, the point is to score touchdowns and field goals. But I think just generally, too, you know, even when you go down to youth sports, okay, soccer is becoming more popular now, too. But, you know, football, participation, dwarfs, baseball, and literally um, participation, and I think that's been true for – quite a while, and I just think people are more likely to grow up with the sport, either as participants or siblings or parents of people that do play, and I think that's why it tends to have a greater following. Also, just fewer games in the season, it's easier to keep track of. With baseball, it can seem at times like a soap opera, where if you miss a day, you're completely lost, versus football, if there's only one game a week to keep up with, that's a lot less of a time commitment. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, well, let's uh, let's get started then. Um, You know, because it's a little more basic, football is a little more basic than baseball. I think we still have more uh, more people participating in non PPR leagues. And uh, you can explain to us what that is, as well as they're participating in snake drafts versus auctions. So what is what is a PPR league, Scott?
0: Okay, first of all. Most leagues, you know, the players will, fantasy leagues, for some people that might not be familiar, the idea is that you draft a player or, you know, purchase through an auction a, a team of real-life players for your fantasy or imaginary team, and then the better the players in your team do in real life, the better your fantasy team does. Um, I might be matched up with, you know, Bob's team in a given week, and whoever's, Um, players on the team scored more points collectively would win that week's contest. So you would win the game. And it's like a a real football team season. You play other teams throughout the course of the season and the ones that do the best qualify for the playoffs and so on. But um, most leagues you just get points for the kinds of things that, you know, scoring plays and, you know, yardage and things. Um, What Bob was referring to is that in some leagues, running backs, wide receivers and tight ends credit not only for the yardage that the receiving yardage they get and the number of receiving touchdowns they get but also for the number of catches they have. So that, you know, would tend to elevate their value um relative to running backs, quarterbacks and the other positions than, you know, when you do get credit for uh, points per reception versus if you don't. So that's the idea of um a PPR league, and just in terms of snake drafts versus auctions, snake draft kind of like what it sounds if I have 12 teams in a league, the first team picks first, second team picks second, you get all the way to the end of the first round, the 12th team picks, and then the 12th team would have the first pick in the second draft, and then you would just sort of snake back and forth through the order like that. You know, the idea being that you would just um, – give people you know a fair chance at, at getting a competitive team if you do it that way rather than to have the same you know have the teams pick mortar every round.
1: Mhm. No, oh, thank you Scott for explaining that to our listeners. Um so let's get into uh the actual uh 2015 season. Um from a macro standpoint in the past it used to be like let's go back about three or four years ago it was running backs the idea was running backs running backs running backs as the old saying goes and then the game continues to open up and is more passing and then all of a sudden it was like quarterbacks became super valuable and then wide receivers super valuable and now it seems like the pendulum has swung the other way although it's an open more open freewheeling game And I know Scott uh, in in fantasy football and baseball Sherpa uses position scarcity as a very valuable barometer for uh, how you draft. Um, It seems like since there's so many NFL teams that are using the kind of running back by committee. And there's a lot of depth because there's so many wide receivers out there, it seems like. And it seems like also, since all the quarterbacks are throwing all the time, that unless you get one of the top two or three, that it's gone back to running backs, running backs, running backs, or at least running backs, running backs, wide receiver, wide receivers. Thoughts?
0: Yeah, I, again, as you alluded to, you know, I'm a big believer in position scarcity. Just the general idea behind that is you're looking at the relative – drop off in the player values at a position. You know, sometimes it's very gradual, you know, as it tends to be the case with wide receivers and quarterbacks and to a lesser extent tight ends. And then sometimes, you know, as you were mentioning with running backs, since probably only about half of the running backs, you know, half the teams in the NFL have that, you know, that you know A number one running back that they're gonna run you know, until he drops. the guys that do have that role tend to be more valuable. And if you don't snag one of those in the first round or two of your draft, you're going to have a much harder time getting somebody later in the draft that could still give you a respectable number of fantasy points versus if you do wait on a position like quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, you're still more likely to get somebody that could give you you a fairly decent score than if you wait too long on the running backs.
1: You know, it's interesting. I was uh, talking with another owner, actually the guy who won our league, um, the league I'm in last year, and he had both Antonio Brown and Demarius Thomas and Rob, Ron uh, Rob Gronkowski. And uh, and uh, he, I, I, I this year I protected in my league. Uh, I had Adrian Peterson as a one because a lot of teams, a lot of leagues have protection. You can protect one to three players uh Levon Bell as a three and Jeremy Hill as a four. And I, I checked with him to see if he wanted to maybe make a move because I figured, well, there's no way he's going to keep a one, two, and a three and have all receivers. Yet he said that, oh, well, I value wide receivers more than running backs, so I might just keep receivers. And actually, he has uh, Antonio Brown, Demarius Thomas, and Rob Gronkowski And, uh, and then he's going to have to wait till the fourth round before he drafts a running back. Meanwhile, I took three bell cows off the board. Another guy took three bell cows off the board. And, you know, we're down to, in terms of running backs that are uh, available in the league, you know, there's Melvin Gordon and Lamar Miller and Mark Ingram and guys like that. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're looking in the second, the second tier already. What are your thoughts, Scott, on, uh, dealing with in leagues with protection, precision scarcity, as well as the relative value between wide receivers and running backs?
0: Well, I think in that particular, in your league mate's particular case, you know, you could definitely make a case for doing what he did. I mean, Rob Gronkowski, assuming he stays healthy, his head and shoulders above the other tight ends. Antonio Mm -hmm. Brown is, um, you know, one of the top, you know, two or three wide receivers. And I forget who was the other wide receiver you mentioned. Demarius who you
1: Thomas, who was definitely yeah, top Yeah, Demarius three.
0: Thomas, again, you know, with Peyton Manning, you know, he's also probably a top five wide receiver. So, you know, it's hard to argue too much in that particular instance. You know, he could probably still get a rookie running back or, you know, somebody who's you know, in a running back by committee playing with somebody that, you know, is, injury-prone and and, stupid, and still do pretty well for himself. In his particular case, I'd probably be filling up most of my reserve spots with running backs and possibly taking those reserve spots before I would take a starter at a position like quarterback and all, unless your league rules prohibit that. But, yeah, I think in his case what he did in that particular league is defensible. But, again, you know, how often are you going to be fortunate enough to have, you know, two or three of the top performers at their position to keep in that instance. I think his is probably the exception rather than the rule. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's go
1: by, let's talk position by position and uh, let's go to quarterbacks first, since that's the premier, you know, kind of the, the uh, star position in in NFL football. And there's been a lot of talk about, well, you either got to get Andrew Luck and, Aaron Rodgers and maybe Peyton Manning, and then if not, you you got to wait a little bit, and uh, you can probably get a good quarterback around six, seven, and eight, and uh, now you got Tom Brady thrown back in the mix. What are your overall thoughts on uh, quarterbacks?
0: I would tend to be in the camp of saying people should wait, you know, just for what we were talking about before, the quarterback, the drop-off, you know, points. It's even after those top three you've still got a Matt Ryan and Tony Romo who may not be considered top NFL quarterbacks but from a fantasy production standpoint you know they're not far behind you know the the top three that you mentioned there and even a guy like Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger you know Roethlisberger had a big year last year Brees you know fell off the table Mm -hmm. a little bit but you know you can wait probably and get a guy like that to six rounds you know I would Again, rather than taking a Rodgers, a Luck, or a Manning in the top two or three rounds, I would probably err on the side of, of going after a, an extra running back and just you know hoping that yeah, I could grab one of those you know, second or third tier quarterbacks and then later on try to back them up with some you know, quarterback that you know I think has you know breakout potential. So that's probably how I would play that particular scenario.
1: All right, let me throw a couple of quick QB names at you uh, that have seemed to be on the uh, social media kind of uh, trending. That everybody, you know, kind of talks about. Like, what can we expect? Potential breakout. Ryan Tannehill. You you buying on him or what? And what round? I
0: I think I wouldn't take him as more than a backup. I mean, his receiving core should be better. Lamar Miller, you know, was a breakout guy last year, but I still think, you know, there's, there's players like you know, Teddy Bridgewater, David Carr, Nick Foles, even that I would rather have than uh Tannehill.
1: Really? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, how about um, the idea of drafting two quarterbacks? Do you think it's uh, mission critical that you always have a, a backup uh, when you do the, it's usually 16 rounds in a draft that you you definitely take two quarterbacks?
0: I do just because the downside of not having one is really, you know, pretty calamitous. If if for heaven forbid, you know, you had Tom Brady as your only quarterback in the 2009 season or whenever that was when he got hit in the first quarter of a game against Kansas city. And then all of a sudden, if you didn't have a backup quarterback your season would have been down the proverbial toilet then. So I think it's imperative, you know, there's there's an adage that you want to be one of the last people to draft a first quarterback and one of the first people to draft a second quarterback. Even if mm-hmm. you don't buy that, I still think it's a good idea to, you know, wait till the end. And who knows, you know, somebody like a Sam Bradford or a Blake Bortles might be available, or even this year, you know, someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, you know, who knows how long he's actually going to be the Jets starting quarterback, but chances are it'll be for, you know, at least half the season. And yeah, you know, I would, Definitely make sure I had somebody like that on my roster at a minimum,
1: as a backup or a, or a yeah. starter.
0: No, okay, as a backup. Yeah, you know, I think you definitely have to get, you know, one of the, you know, you want to get one of the guys in the top two or three tiers at least as your starting quarterback. But, yeah, you know, I mean, heck, even a Jay Cutler, I would rather you know have him as a backup quarterback than, you know, than wait too long and wind up with. Yeah, you know, somebody like James Winston, who may or may not be, you know, good this year. But, you know, I would mm-hmm. rather have more of a proven commodity as a as a backup guy, even if he doesn't have quite the upside that, say, a James Winston might.
1: OK, uh, let's throw a name out there that's been in the news a lot. Tom Brady, uh, he, you know, it looked like he was going to be suspended for four games. And, you know, at best case scenario, maybe they cut it back to two. But now he's he's going to start on Thursday in the opening game. And uh, he's been a premier quarterback for many years. And, you know, he's getting a lot, a lot of press room. If, if people really think about it, though, New England would have lost that Super Bowl if Seattle just ran the ball in, and we wouldn't have had as much talk about this except for the, the Gate. But um, I guess my question is, is Tom Brady a top five quarterback for 2015?
0: I'd say no, Robert, for two reasons. One is that First of all, it's not out of the question that he still could be suspended at some point in a way, you know, if the NFL holds another hearing and does it in a way such that, you know, Robert Goodell isn't acting as the judge, jury, and hangman, you know, I think that there is still a non-zero probability that he misses time. And secondly, and probably even more importantly, if you look at his receiving core outside of Rob Gronkowski, yeah, you know, there's not a lot, especially in his wide receivers, that you know really makes you you know quake in your boots. You know, Danny Amendola is always injury prone. Julian Edelman is you know a good receiver, but he's hurt now. You know, Aaron Dobson, you know those guys. You know, Brandon LaFell looked good last year, but he's on the pup list to start this year off. So, I, I think his receiving core is not as good as it has been in the past. You know, we're, we're certainly not talking, you know, Randy Moss and Wes Walker here
1: hmm Okay. That's let's the main talk reason about...
0: I would shy away from him in an early okay. round.
1: Okay, good. Um, and you like do you like Drew Brees? He's overlooked. I agree with you. You like Tony Romo, he's overlooked, I agree with you. You like uh Matt Ryan, uh, uh he's overlooked, uh, I agree with you. Russell Wilson is getting a lot of buzzes like top three quarterback. I'm looking at a CBS cheat sheet right now, and I've read a lot of other stuff and uh, you know, he's never really come through fantasy-wise, but they're saying, well, now that he has uh, Jimmy Graham, it's all going to be different now. Do you feel the same way? I, I don't know.
0: Um, in a word, no, I don't. Um, two reasons. Again, kind of like Brady, his receiving core is nothing to write home about. I mean, when you are got a guy like Chris Matthews that had never caught a ball before, and then all of a sudden he's got five catches and he's your go-to option in the Super Bowl, that's a test. The the quality or lack thereof of mm-hmm. your receiving core. And to my mind, they didn't really do a lot to beef that up during the offseason. You know, their top two guys are still Doug Baldwin and Jermaine Kearse. So I'm not terribly impressed there. Secondly, with Wilson, kind of like Cam Newton, a lot of his value is tied up in how much he runs. And, mm-hmm. you know, you figure if he you – know, first of all, teams don't like to have their quarterback running for – Eight hundred yards a season if they can help it, because you know they're putting themselves at risk of you know getting hit you know every time they do that, and you know when Tavares Jackson is your backup, you know you don't really want you know to risk your starting quarterback you know on a lot of you know bootlegs, and you know he's also still got you know Marshawn Lynch there. They picked up Fred Jackson after he was cut by Buffalo, so they have other viable running options. And the other thing too with Seattle if you look at the pace of play and the number of average plays that they run, they're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum from Chip Kelly's Philadelphia Eagles. They're one of the slower teams in terms of average numbers of plays and, you know, reliance on the running game versus the passing game. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just fewer opportunities for him to, you know, make plays. And to me that all adds up to somebody who's more of a second or even third tier quarterback rather than, Mentioning him along with the likes of uh, Luck, Rogers, and Manning.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you completely. I'm I'm very surprised that he's getting so much hype as a, as a you know quarterback. Um, well, let me throw one more name out you at you, and then we'll get some tips from you on quarterback, and then we'll move on. Matthew Stafford. Uh, he's being touted again this year. He really stunk the second half of last year. He had a lot of promise in the previous years, he's tied to Calvin Johnson and and now Golden Tate also. Um, what's your thoughts on him kind of bouncing back?
0: I like him a lot. To me, he's kind of like the you – know, I put him in the same boat as Matt Ryan because the teams aren't better. They don't get as much publicity. But he's definitely somebody you'd appreciate more from a fantasy perspective than if you were a Detroit Lions fan. But, yeah, he's got healthy receivers in Johnson and Tate. Yeah, you know, the you know, wide rec- the tight end position's a little bit of a mystery there, and you know, he's got some decent running backs to take a little bit of the pressure off the passing game. I, I think, you know, I, I like him as in that second tier of quarterbacks.
1: Uh, one last one, and then we'll we'll skip the we'll skip the you know, kind of quick picks because uh, we've gotten we've covered a lot of guys. Uh, Sam Bradford's getting a lot of like press is he going to be like fantasy monster or or what? Because he's with the mysteriously uh, ever-changing Philadelphia Eagles, and they ride, run this high-octane offense, and he understands kind of Chip Kelly's way of uh, managing the team, yet he's been injured the last couple of years. What's your thoughts on him
0: fantasy-wise? So you just hit the nail on the head there. If, if you could look into a crystal ball, or if I could look into a crystal ball and tell you whether he was – healthy or not or going to stay healthy all season, then I tell you whether you have a likely top um top ten, maybe even a top five you know, fantasy quarterback on your hands. Yeah, you know, I I definitely wouldn't draft him as a first quarterback, but if you can get him as a backup quarterback, he's definitely one of the guys that has a really high upside and the kind of mm-hmm. quarterback that I would be looking to, to take as a backup.
1: Got it. Okay, let's move on to uh running backs. Um I think everybody who plays fantasy football, you know, the Marshall Lynch's, Eddie Lacy, Jamal Charles, Matt Forte, Le'von Bell, uh you know, those names are, you know, those, you know, we're looking at the elites. Adrian Peterson, I guess fresh legs there, but when we're getting uh, Jeremy Hill as a as a riser, if you agree that that's kind of the first uh first tier, uh or not let us know um what do you see kind of going from there because there's a lot of you know i i see names like cj anderson and like yeah he was good but i i, I don't know he might be super stud this year or or not, because Denver seems to be ever-changing in terms of running backs. You've got guys like rookies, like Melvin Gordon. You've got Lamar Miller, who everybody's hyping that this is the year for him to break through. You've got Mark Ingram, who had a good year last year in New Orleans, but he's got C.J. Spiller with him. You've got Arian Foster, who's a great runner, but he's out at least three weeks to a month. You've got Andre Ellington, who was highly had a great year two years ago. Last year, was they announced an injury right before the first game last year, and he turned out to be kind of a fantasy bust. Then you've got uh, Yaki Bell, and then you've got he's got a, a good backup, and then you've got St. Louis. You've got Trey Mason, but you've got Todd Gurley. You've got Rashad Jennings on the on the Giants, but then he, you've got uh, the guy uh, Brown there also. It's is a lot of. Uh, mishmash there so what where do you go after that elite group the top let's say seven or so
0: all right first thing I'm going to disagree with you a little bit about Adrian Peterson and I know you kept him in your league but I would be very leery about pinning too much of my fantasy team's hopes on a guy who hasn't played in a year even if he's Mm -hmm. you know has you know he didn't take a year's worth of hits, but you know you can count on one hand the number of running backs that are still you know top tier running backs by the time they get to be twenty nine or thirty and you know i between his age and just the fact that he's been away for a year and yes he's pressure, but on the other hand, you know the the game instincts and all, you know, are they as sharp and are his reaction times going to be as quick as they were two years ago? I don't know, but I'm not willing to put take a first-round uh, pick on him to, to find out, and chances are somebody else will. But there are probably a lot more people that agree with your viewpoint than mine. I mean, I was in an industry league back in June, an industry draft, and he was actually the very first player taken off the board, which shocked me a little bit, you know, even before Le'Veon Bell or Jamal Charles. But, um, so, you know, somebody obviously believes in him. But, yeah, I'd be a little bit leery about him. Um, that said, you know, besides the guys that you mentioned, you know, who are some of the guys that I think, you know, might be worth targeting this year? I'll throw a few names out at you. Um, first of all, a couple guys in the uh, in the Bay Area um uh, Carlos Hyde running back with the 49ers now with Frank Gore moved on to Indianapolis. It's his show. And I think he has a good chance of, of being a top runner, you know, the way he was when he was at Ohio state uh, Latavius Murray over in Oakland. You know, that franchise is perpetually a mess, but you know, David Carr is another name that, you know, we mentioned before with the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, between David Carr and Amari Cooper, you know, that's going to take some pressure off of their running game and, yeah, uh, and you know, they have Michael Crabtree there too now. So yeah, you know, Murray showed some flashes last year of, of stardom, potential stardom, so he's somebody that I you know like a lot too. Yeah, you, know, you have somebody like Isaiah Crowell in Cleveland where you know that running back situation is a little bit murky, but you know, he's somebody you might want to consider. Who, who um was that in Cleveland? Uh, Isaiah Crowell. Okay. hmm. Yeah, and um then in Atlanta, um Kevin Coleman is another intriguing. He, you know, they, you know, they have Devonte Freeman back, who was a rookie last year, but he's not the biggest guy in the world, and you know, so you know, Kevin Coleman's a little bigger. You know, he might get a chance at some point. You know, with rookie running backs, it often comes down to how good are they in pass protection. That determines you know, how much time they see on the field. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's he's somebody to keep an eye on. And then, if you want to go sort of for a blast, you know, from the past. You know, take a look at uh, Doug Martin down in Tampa Bay. You know, he's somebody that was really, really good about three years ago, and then injuries have sidetracked him since then. But if he's really healthy, you know, he might also be somebody that if you could get him as a, a third running back, it you know, might really pay off in a big way for you.
1: What do you think of the situation in Dallas? I mean, they've got this great line. I was very surprised. I'm a Cowboys fan. Like, okay, you let. The Marco Murray go? Do you have a plan? It seems like they didn't have a plan and now they got, you know, Christian uh, Michael from the Seahawks as like the fourth the fourth wheel uh with McFadden and Joseph Randall and Dunbar and now they've got uh, uh Christian Michael. There's nobody yep. to me that really stands out there. What's your thoughts on the Cowboys? I know they've got the best line in football by far, but I mean you, you have something-
0: Well, I think somebody there is still going to to do well and rush for a lot of yardage, but I couldn't really tell you who if they were all healthy. My money would probably be on Joseph Randall. You know, it would not be on Darren McFadden, and probably you know, Michael would be my second choice there.
1: Okay, um,
0: and um, I forgot to mention before when we were talking about Dallas guys, uh, Demarco Murray is somebody else that, you know, I know he had a good year last year. People are just mm-hmm. attributing it to Dallas's line, and now he's moved on to Philadelphia where the line isn't as good, and he's also got Ryan Matthews to share carries with. But, you know, he's somebody, if I could get him at the end of the first round or early second round as the second running back, he's somebody that I think is also being overlooked.
1: Okay. Um, let's talk about, how about the situation in New Orleans then? You've got Spiller and... You've got Ingram, and I've been reading a lot of stuff about Spiller. He's going to get the ball a lot. What are your thoughts there?
0: Spiller, again, the key for him is can he stay healthy or not? He's kind of like the Sam right. Bradford of running backs, but yeah, he sees the field a little bit more than Bradford does in the last couple of years. But and Mark Ingram has been a question mark injury-wise, too, the last couple of years. Right now, Ingram is healthier than Spiller, so if I had to pick one of the two to start the season, it would be Ingram, but that's you know, you know by and large a situation i would try to avoid if i could you know if i had to take one of those guys or to get one of those as a low second tier high third tier guy great but i certainly don't want to be building my my fantasy team around either of those guys this year
1: mhm now you mentioned Doug Martin and uh i'm reading a lot about Charles Sims so who's the starter
0: um i think you know Martin is the starter there you know Sims yeah, you know, I guess you can't discount him entirely, but I figured that, you know, last year, you know, he was hurt some, but you know, he didn't really take the job and run with it, you know, last year when he had the opportunity. So, all else being equal, my money would be on the guy that, you know, at least has some history of success in his past.
1: Uh, how about a breakout running back for this year guy? You know, maybe he like, maybe a Jer. I I look at Jeremy Hill and say he's a breakout uh, because he had such a strong second half. Um, and he could turn out to be like a number one pick in a a year or so. What's, what's your thought? And uh, the other one I would say is Lamar Miller. I think he's in a good situation in Miami. He's a young guy. Um, what are your breakouts this year for running back?
0: Yeah, both of those guys are good choices. Um, I don't think we mentioned TJ Yeldon with Mm -hmm. Jacksonville before, another rookie who's getting a lot of press. But depending on how good the line is and how well Blake Bortles develops, he could have a lot of opportunity there. And then the two guys I mentioned before that are really getting their first big shot at uh, starting and being the the man, and that would be Carlos Hyde in San Francisco and Latavius Murray in Oakland. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, uh, let's move on to wide receiver. Then uh, it's you know with and, and the league I'm in there's a the big guys are off the board, and then we've got some injuries. So Antonio Brown, Demarius Thomas, Odell Beckham, Des Bryant, Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Evans, A.J. Green, Julio Julio Jones, even Jordan Matthews, the, the 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 Andre Hopkins all off the board, and then you've got Jordy Nelson out. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin out for the year. Where do you go? Where do you think, let's talk, let's start with like Randall Cobb, Calvin Johnson, uh, TJ Hilton, Brandon Cooks, Alshon Jeffrey. Give us your thoughts on that kind of the, you know, a minus group of guys.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, you have my list, you know, mirrored almost exactly. Yeah. Calvin Johnson seems to be healthy right now. He would be at the top of my list among the guys you rattled off in that second tier, Randall Cobb, you know, being the number one guy, you know, if his shoulder sprain isn't too serious. Yeah, again, all else being equal, I would tend to just want guys, pick guys who are healthy to start the season rather than guys who aren't. So, yeah, I would probably go with a T.Y. or and Alshon Jeffrey or Calvin Johnson over Randall Cobb. But, you know, that's not to say Cobb couldn't, you know, rack up better numbers than all of them. You know, Brandon Cooks, you know, that's a good choice. You know, a couple other names that are on my radar screen, you know, we mentioned Amari Cooper before in Oakland, mm-hmm. you know, Keenan Allen in San Diego, you know, Sammy Watkins in Buffalo, depending on, you know, how good, uh, you know, their new quarterback is. So, you know, there's a lot of places you can go. Um, but uh, – and and the other thing about wide receiver, too, is that almost – always there's you know, multiple guys on the waiver wire at different points during the season that can actually yeah, help your team too. It's, and there doesn't tend to be quite the feeding frenzy with wide receivers that there does with running backs.
1: Now take a guy like Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I had him last year and uh you know, I was surprised at the end of the year that he had the stats he had because he really didn't seem to be doing too much at the beginning of the year. Now, again, at the beginning of the season, he's got a mysterious calf injury that they're not really being very forthcoming with. I think it's a function of how my, uh coach Fox uh, in Chicago kind of manages the press. But what what is your understanding? As, as, because, you know, beyond him, they have Eddie Royal. Uh, they don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver in Chicago and you've got Jay Butler and uh, Cutler and like, who knows how he's going to respond. Now Trestman's gone. What, what's your, talk about the bears a little bit and then their receiving situation and Jay Cutler.
0: Yeah. With Jeffrey, he would definitely, if he were healthy, he would probably be in my top, you know, definitely in my top 10. You know, the injury makes him a little bit more of a question mark. Eddie Royal, as you alluded to, is a nice sleeper there and, yeah, you know, Cutler. You know, he's again a better fantasy quarterback than he is a real life quarterback. I mean, heck, they even benched him for Jimmy Clausen last year right. for a couple of games, which is sort of the height of you know of ignominy, I think, for a quarterback. But you know, Matt Forte also catches a lot of balls for a running back. So you know, and Martellus Bennett was one of the top mm-hmm. you know, tight end pass catching tight ends last year. So I think they'll be okay. But yeah, I wouldn't tend too much of my hopes on Alshon Jeffrey, just given that he's you know, injured going into the season. How about some of the,
1: let's call them the oldie but goodies, uh, and some of them, these guys are not that old, but guys that have been around a little bit, uh, and maybe they're in different situations or whatever. So we'll say uh, Roddy Roddy White, uh, Brandon Marshall, Andre Johnson, uh, Jeremy McClendon. Um, You know, you've got some really good, wideouts who are in different situations what's what's your Kendall Wright uh you know it was a lot of uh hype for him and then he kind of didn't do too well last year um Marcus Colson uh, Vincent Jackson Steve Smith and Quan Bolden let's talk about the old guys for a minute you like yeah, any sure. of them I
0: mean yeah, I do, especially Jerry Macklin. Jeremy Macklin in Kansas City. You know, Alex Smith is probably doing cartwheels because he hasn't had really I mean, yes, he had uh you know, Dwayne Bow on the team the last couple of years, but you know, he seemed like he wasn't quite the receiver that he was several years ago. Macklin had you know battled injuries prior to last year and then had a breakout season with the Eagles that enabled him to go out and sign that big contract. But you guys like Macklin, Marshall Yeah, Roddy White. I'm not as keen on just because he's been, yeah. I think he's on the wrong side of 30 now and had some injury problems last year. He seems to have chronic hamstring injuries. Yeah, Brandon Marshall. if he can stay healthy, you know, I like his quarterback situation there a lot more with Ryan Fitzpatrick than I did when it was Geno Smith. But you know, just to throw out a couple of other names in that category too. You know, guys like Golden Tate, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, there, there are a bunch of guys that. yeah, Mike Wallace in Minnesota. Now, you know there's you know a bunch of guys that you know, may not get drafted in the early rounds that could still have you know quite an impact on your your fantasy team. Anquan Bolden is another guy. Pierre Garcon. Those guys are just steady year after year. Especially Bolden. It seems like everybody writes him off every year, and,
1: right. and how
0: he winds up as his team's leading receiver. You know, with over a thousand yards receiving every year. So, yeah, you know, guys like that that have proven, you know, year in and year out that they can do it. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's any reason to project, you know, them falling off the table. But Colston is sort of the interesting case for me because, you know, there wasn't really an explanation for why, you know, the Saints were so bad last year. You know, and often when it's a relative term, of course, but yeah, you know, he's somebody that I'm really curious. He's never been a real, you know, downfield threat but you know he's always caught ninety-eight to 100 passes and you know last year that just didn't happen so he's somebody that i you know think you probably could get you know you know relatively late in the draft this year that might you know return to his prior form and you know be a good second or third receiver for your team
1: let me throw some names at you and see if you think these guys could be worthy of a you know a a top pick uh, contingent on you know relative to where you are in your draft and how many guys are off the board. So let's say uh, a Golden Tate. Could he be a wide out one? Uh, Andre Johnson, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Michael Floyd, um, Vincent Jackson, um, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Adams, Sammy Watkins, Nelson Aghalor. I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, I like a lot of those names that you just mentioned, yeah, Torrey Smith in San Francisco now. Mm-hmm. You know, you would figure that uh, Joe Flacco is a better quarterback than Colin Kaepernick, but you know who knows for whatever reason those two just never, you know, Flacco and Smith just never really, you know, took their chemistry to the next level, you know, the, the that you thought that they were going to after two seasons ago. So maybe it clicks with uh Kaepernick there and having uh you know, you know, Anquan Bolden on the other side of him. But um, uh, almost all of those guys that you mentioned are certainly capable of having big seasons, but there's, there's sort of, you know, receiver 1B, and mm-hmm. there's, you know, Golden Tate, you know, there's Calvin Johnson there. You know, Deshaun Jackson, you know, you could argue that Pierre Garcon might be their, you know, top dog, although I'd rather have Jackson. You know, Brandon Marshall, you know, you've got, um, um, Decker. You know, Decker there. So, you know, there, there's all sorts of you know, things like that. You know, somebody that we didn't talk about who I really like a lot this year is Allen Robinson in Jacksonville. He got off to mm-hmm. that great start to his rookie year. I think he had right. three touchdown catches in the first game against the Eagles last year. Of course, Jacksonville being Jacksonville, they still lost that game, but you know, he's somebody if Blake Bortles is really better, you know, that might be a, a sort of, you know, a backhanded way to, to buy in on Blake Bortles development there to, you know, take him. And again, he's not somebody that's going to get picked you know too high in the draft, but somebody that could still you know deliver really good value. Um, you know, I think you mentioned Devonte Adams too. You know, yep. at Green Bay. You know, he's somebody else. that, you know, with Jordy Nelson out of the picture now, you know, he looks you know much more appealing than you know Dante Moncrief in Indianapolis. You know, now you know with Reggie Wayne out of the picture, you know, there's definitely an opportunity for him to step forward. You know, Kamar Aiken in Baltimore with no Tory Smith there, you know, he's their clear number two receiver now. So there's there's a lot of guys that could really. Step up, and you know, probably won't cost you a high fantasy uh, draft pick this year. Mm-hmm. What
1: was the guy in Baltimore? What's his first name? Uh, Kumar, Kamar
0: K A M A R.
1: Okay, right. Kamar Aiken. All right, I'm jotting him down. Yeah. Michael I, Crabtree, I'm not... you
0: know Brian Quick. Those are a couple other yeah. guys. Oh, yeah, Brian you Quick. Know, yeah. If you want to really speculate, you know, go with somebody in a late round. Go with somebody like Cody Latimer in Denver. You know, there, there's all sorts of guys.
1: What's your sense, Stedman Bailey? I read some stuff on him, and then but I read like yes, and then I read like no
0: mm-hmm. on the Rams. Yeah, flyer,
1: flyer, right?
0: Yeah, he, he's a flyer. I think all else being equal, there, you know, Brian Quick would be the receiver I'd want to own on that team, and Kenny Britt, and probably even to Tavon Austin ahead of Bailey for me if I had to rank mm-hmm. the, the receivers on Got St. Her. Louis. Okay. So Kenny is uh, kind of an in- intriguing guy, but, you know, we, we can move on.
1: Okay. All right. This is uh, Guys Guys Radio. We're talking Fantasy Football 2015. Our esteemed guest is Scott Sweeney, the Fantasy Football Sherpa. Let's move on to uh, tight ends. Now, it seems like the top tier is Rob Gronkowski and then Jimmy Graham and some new surroundings in Seattle. And then after that, I hear all different types of names, guys who – have made it a little bit. You know, there's got there's Greg Ellison and Mar, Martellus Bennett, Jason Witten, of course. And then you've got a bunch of other guys that, you know, Travis Kels, he hasn't come through really big time yet. Jordan Cameron had some good, good times in Cleveland, but not that much last year. Uh, Dwayne Allen in Indianapolis, I, I'm reading about. Kyle Rudolph, Julius Thomas, who was in Denver, had a big year. He's now in Jacksonville, a different situation. You've got another tight end in Indianapolis and Kobe Fleener. You know, you've got, I read a lot about uh, Delaney Walker. And then we've got these breakout guys uh, who just haven't really hit the market. Zach Ertz, uh, the kid on uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins on Tampa Bay, Michael Rivera in Oakland and, um, the kid, uh, Eford in uh, Cincinnati, I know. There's a yep. ton of names I just threw at you because it just seems like a big mixed stew in tight end. So my thinking is that, you know, if you don't get Jimmy Graham or, or Gronk, and I don't know if I take Jimmy Graham over a top wide receiver uh, because he's in new surroundings. He could pay off big time, but I don't know if I'd put him in the same space as a wide receiver one. So that's a question. But then after that, how do you rank this kind of mishmash, this stew of tight ends? And then when do you draft tight ends because of that?
0: Well, I I think you hit the nail on the head again here. Gronkowski is clear number one. Graham, mainly because he's in new surroundings, I would tend to devalue him a little bit relative to past years. That doesn't mean that he might not be end up the season as the top tight end. But I have a hard time imagining him being as productive in Seattle where they've got a, a good running game to go with, you know, you know, what what semblance of a passing game they do. You know, whereas in New Orleans, they had threats at wide receivers, so you couldn't you know, quadruple cover him, and mm-hmm. they didn't have much of a running back running attack. So that was and you had a talented quarterback in Drew Brees. So that was sort of the perfect storm for him. And you know, Seattle, I, I just, you know, I would probably rank him as the number two tight end, but he's probably going to be off the board, before I would feel comfortable taking him. And, you know, then after that, you're right, you know, pretty much all those guys that you, you know, mentioned, you could just throw them in a hat and pick out a name. And, you know, I, I couldn't really argue with you. You know, a couple names, a um, couple other names that I would throw out that we didn't mention yet. Uh, one mm-hmm. is with Darius Green in San Diego, who was hyped a lot last year after, right, right. you know, pretty impressive rookie year, but then, you know, just didn't deliver the goods. And then, you know, yeah you, know, um, you know, after that, then um, um, Antonio Gates, you know, had a resurgence of sorts last year. But, of course, now he's suspended this year, which opens up the, the door for Darius Green again. So he's somebody that I like a lot. And also um, Owen Daniels had a couple of good seasons in Houston with Matt Schaub. You know, he hasn't done too much, you know, the last couple of years. He had a couple of good games last year with Baltimore and Joe Flacco. But now, mm-hmm. as, you know, Peyton Manning tight end you know that almost by default you know lends itself to you know lots of opportunities so he's somebody that i would uh, have pretty yeah that i would definitely have on my you know radar too and
1: let me let me ask you about him before you move on hold hold on one second hold that thought um virgil green because i keep reading you know Half the stuff I read says take Virgil Green because Owen Daniels is like has you know he's he's only going to go so far and this other guy's kind of up and coming and then I read Owen Daniels so you just mentioned Owen Daniels any thoughts on how to balance you know how many balls are available between him and Virgil Green or who's who's actually going to be the 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 main guy there?
0: I think if he stays healthy, it'll be Daniels, but Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll see. You know, Peyton Manning definitely has a history of involving multiple tight ends, you know, especially when he was in Indianapolis. It just seemed right. like, you know, Jacob Tammy and, uh, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm forgetting now, you know, the others. But, you know, he always had um, – you know, and Dallas um, – I'm forgetting his last name now, but, um, you know, they, they always had multiple – Dallas Clark. Tight, yeah, Dallas Clark. You know, they always had multiple tight ends that they were involving in their offense there. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of balls to go around there, you know, and especially if – you know whether it's C.J. Anderson or Ronnie Hillman, you know, whoever their top you know you know rusher turns out to be this year. You know I think you know they're still as long as Peyton Manning is healthy and standing, they're still going to be primarily a passing offense. So okay. yeah, I think you I wouldn't draft either of those guys you know, as a top tight end. But you know if you're in a league where there's enough depth that you have to take a a backup tight end, you know I would. Definitely consider them, and even if you know it gets to the end of the, and you're the only person that doesn't have a first tight end, I would I would think that Owen Daniels could certainly be in the top twelve or fourteen in a in a league. So, yeah, that's how I see those guys.
1: Okay, Um, you were going to keep going with some other guys before I interrupted you with the question about Virgil Green.
0: Yeah, I was just going to mention a couple of guys. You know, one, Please. since we were on the, the oldie but you know, topic for the wide receivers, you know, Vernon Davis certainly fits that bill in mm-hmm. San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows, you know, whether he might be able to bounce back. And then, you know, you know, with the Jets, you know, who knows what their offense is going to be like. Again, I like their offense, at least their passing attack more with Ryan Fitzpatrick than I did with Geno Smith, but, you know, Jay Marl. Is somebody that was highly touted coming into last year and didn't really have too much success his first year, but you know we'll see. You know, the, the opportunity is definitely there for him.
1: He's out though. He's uh, he's out for the year.
0: Oh, sorry. Who did I? I, I, I
1: only oh. I say that as a, a season ticket holder. He, uh, I think he separated his shoulder. And uh, this, oh, you're right.
0: I'm was... sorry. Yeah. You're right. So I don't yeah, even it's know it's who's there. To,
1: have a blocking... It's, it's I don't back know. to Jeff
0: Cumberland and Kelly yeah, Davis right. now. I'm sorry. Right. You're right.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's. Uh, that's yeah. That was a yep. question mark there. But okay, let's talk about the whole concept of tight ends then. Um, my thinking is, if you don't get one of the top two guys, and probably if you don't get Gronkowski and in my league he's gone, that you might as well, towards the middle and then the end of the draft, you might as well take two tight ends. I know you're using up two slots, but this way, you know, if you get in, the, in one of those situations where there's sharing going on, whether it's Denver or Philadelphia or Cincinnati or Indianapolis, that, you know, one of the guys will work out. What are your thoughts on taking two tight ends versus one?
0: I think that's a, a definitely a, a decent strategy, given the number of guys that are in that sort of middle range that we were talking about before, because chances are you're probably going to turn over a third to half of your roster you know, due to injuries, buys, and other things during the season anyway. So you know, definitely drafting two guys like that and you know, just sticking with whichever one is, is doing better for you and then you know, you know, replacing the other one or you know, just picking up a bye week replacement is, is definitely a defensible strategy. Hmm.
1: Okay. Uh, how about... Uh the two areas that people don't really concentrate on too much. But I noticed last year in my draft, somebody took the, the somebody took the Seattle uh, defense, you know, before the 10th round. And then somebody took Rob, uh, Rob, uh, the the kicker on. uh, Stefan
0: Gostkowski.
1: Yeah. uh, Like in the 11th round or something. I'm like, what? Uh, So what are your thoughts on, uh, let's talk about defense and kicking. And then, When do you think you should take both of those? And then who do you like in terms of uh, defense? Let's start there.
0: Um, The kickers, I'm definitely in the camp of, you know, you you don't know who's going to be good from one season to the next, because a lot of it is, you know, based on how many field goals they get the chance to kick. But, you know, you really don't know, know, should I go with a top-scoring offense and just figure they're not going to get the ball in the end zone all the time, or do I go with a mediocre offense and, Figure they'll be good enough to get the ball close enough for a field goal, but not necessarily to punch it in for a touchdown. So, my feeling about kickers you know, is always just to wait until the very last round with them and pick the guy that, you know, pick guys on high scoring offenses, just figuring that we're going to get more opportunities. So, you know, this year that would be, you know, the Adam Vinataries and the Mason Crosby's of the world. Yeah, guys like that. If you want to gamble on somebody that mm-hmm. has a big leg and can hit a lot of field goals, then maybe Justin Tucker is your guy, or yeah. you know Cody Parkey. But you know, just I, I don't see any reason to to guys. You know, now Josh Scobie's in Pittsburgh since they have already had two kickers go on IR. You know, those are the guys that I would tend to focus on. But again, you know, I see no reason to, to take any of them before the before the last round.
1: What defenses do you like? These particular teams.
0: Um, yeah, there, there's I I mean, yes. besides I mean Seattle, Seattle's
1: getting
0: the hype. Yeah, Seattle's getting the hype. I think the Jets should be better this year, you know, with you know, the beefing up, you know, having the reunion tour in their secondary there with, you know, mm-hmm. you know Cromarty and, and Rivas. That'll help, you know. Um, I think Houston, if Jadavian Clowney comes back healthy, that could be a really, you know, fun defense to watch. You know Buffalo Rex Ryan. You, you know that you know whatever he puts together is probably going to be worthwhile. Yeah, they're, they're, those are some of the teams that I would have an eye on. But actually, what I do for defenses usually is I take a look at the schedule that they're playing, and you know, that includes not only the teams in their own division that they have to play twice, but also the you know the interconference games. You know to see what division they're going to be playing, you know, what conference they're going to, what division they're going to be playing in the other conference. And this year, to me, the AFC North, if I just had to pick a division at random and pick a team out of there, if it got to be late in the draft, yeah, I would take a, a Cleveland or a Cincinnati, you know, someone like that. And you know, just because the AFC North, you know, none of the offenses outside of maybe Pittsburgh's are really scary. And they also get to play the NFC West teams this year, which, you know, none of those, Offenses are really high octane offenses, either. So that's kind of my mindset when I approach picking uh, mm-hmm. a defense.
1: Fantastic. So, to give us, uh, give our listeners, like uh, when they're going through, most people are going to go through a non PPR snake draft, and they may or may not have keepers. But during the draft, when you're managing the draft, give them some advice, some things to look for, whether you you know you just keep going with the running backs if you go position scarcity if you try to take the first tight end instead of the fifth wide receiver how do you, how do you manage how do you manage the actual draft
0: well i think the key year. is to be as prepared as possible beforehand and what that means is whether you use a magazine or a paid service or what have you, you know, to have some kind of you know ranking of the players you know by tiers you know by position in front of you, and just have something that you thought through ahead of time and that you're comfortable with, and that way you know it takes a lot of the guess work out, you know, you can see okay, you know, I still have three guys in my second tier wide receiver, but only one guy in my second tier running back, I'm gonna grab the running back and hope that one of those three guys is still there the next round for me at wide receiver. So, yeah, you know, that's kind of my thinking. Also, just, you know, know, how your league scoring system works and, you know, which positions tend to score the most points and how quickly those points drop off. You know, that's really important. And then, you know, also just pay attention. If you can, it's not too much work, either because you're drafting with a partner or because you're using some kind of software. And, you know, keep track of, you know, not necessarily the players, but, you know, definitely the positions that other teams have picked. So if you know that there are two guys you really like at tight end, but there's only one guy between your pick now and your pick in the next round that still needs Mm -hmm. a tight end, you know, then you you can probably safely go pick somebody at another position then. So Mm -hmm. those are the main things. It's not so much, you know, specific players, you know, honing in on specific players, but just having a plan ahead of time, which just means having, you know, the, you know tiered players by position, you know all laid out in front of you, and then just you know trying to keep track of that you know not only you know crossing off the actual players that have been picked but also just you know with your you know, fellow league mates you know keeping track of who they have and what they still need I think that's the 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 best way to go about a draft. Mm-hmm.
1: all right let's just circle back to one last point and then I'll let you go um Adrian Peterson since a lot of people have been talking about him and you know last year you advised me not to protect him I had it I was either him or Monty Ball and I couldn't decide and I protected Peterson and of course he got suspended after one game for the entire season and it just uh, d- devastated my team I had a great draft besides it and I also had Andre Ellington in the 13th round last year and then like the day before the first game they said oh by the way he's got a bad ankle and he stunk the whole year for the most part but anyhow the reason I personally protected uh, Peterson was position scarcity that I sure. I just think he's a bell cow he's a freak of nature uh, normally uh, if he was anybody else I wouldn't take him and I figured well I got Jeremy Hill I got Levain Bell and Peterson, that's like two running backs and the, uh, and the option position. So, and I'm keeping those guys away. And I looked at the, looked at the wide receivers. Uh, you know, I could have Randall Cobb, somebody offered me Calvin Johnson for Jeremy Hill. And I said, no, I actually think Jeremy Hill is going to be the best of those three running backs. So I figured, you know what? It doesn't matter what round he's in. This has been my last year. I've had Adrian Peterson, his entire career, um he could be he could be gold and he might not be. But I figured well I, I have three Bell Cow running backs. Thoughts?
0: No, I think that's great and you know, Monte Ball obviously uh, didn't have much of the season last year either, so you didn't know that at the time, but you know, you were you know, picking between, you know, two options that you wouldn't know, have panned out. But um, actually, I had the two of them and Ray Rice on one team last year with my first three picks. And not surprisingly, that team didn't do very well. But um, oh anyway, man. you know, no, I, I think that's definitely defensible. And especially in a league like yours where you're protecting players, you know, part of the fun and also the challenge in it is just to, you know, put your, you know, Put yourself in the shoes of the other owners. Try to figure out from your position, you know, from your viewpoint, what's the worst you know, case in terms of who they would keep. And then, you know, if you're on the fence between two guys at two different positions, then plan your strategy according to what you think the other owners in the league are likely to do with their, you know, protected picks. But no, you know, Adrian Peterson—that's that, certainly a defensible pick, and especially when you've got those other two guys there. If he doesn't pan out, you've still got two top-tier. Running back, so you know, I think you're, you'll, you'll be fine.
1: Ah, thanks. Uh, last question, Monty Ball. What do you think? He just got waived. Who's going to pick him up? And is he worth a late round flyer?
0: I think it depends who picks him up. I would tend to stay away. I think it, depending if it's a like a sixteen or an eighteen team league, you know, and you, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know, and it's the second to last round, and he's still out there, sure, but. Um, other than that, I would tend to stay away. You know, there might be some injury problem or something else that we really don't know about. That it, you know, it's hard to imagine him just walking in and being some team's lead back at this point.
1: Okay, last question. I promise this time. Uh, Houston running backs. You've got Arian Foster. I think you've got Alfred Blue, and they've got another guy whose name escapes me right now. What's your thought in terms of drafting? There is Adrian Foster. Are you confident he's going to be back at the end of September, and is he worth a? Top two round pick?
0: I think he, if I had a pick at the end of the second round, beginning of the third round, and he were still there, great. But my guess is he's going to be off the board, you know, long before that, probably by the end of the first round, beginning of the second round. Yeah, Alfred Blue, Yeah, know, he, he showed, you know, some potential last year when he had the chance to start. You know, I think if he's somebody that I could take as a, you know, a third or fourth running back, but again, you know, he'll probably be somebody's second or third running back. But you know, I, I think with Foster, you know, that's just too much of a gamble for me to rely to rely on him as a top running back for for a fantasy team this year.
1: Got it. Okay. Well, listen, Scott, you this is always my favorite show of the year because I love talking about football. I love getting your insights. Uh, my second favorite is when we talk baseball and uh you just really hit the ball out of the park and kicked the ball through the upright so I want to thank you so much for being our guest on guys guys radio you really have educated me and our listeners and made it a lot of fun and um you can find everybody you can find scott at his website com. and uh any other thing you want to add to that? I know we gave you social media's beginning of the show but give it one more shout out and then
0: I'll let you go sure i'm at um Fantasy underscore Sherpa on Twitter and also going to have um you know for the sixth season the show on Blog Talk Radio Wednesday nights at seven nine thirty Eastern uh called Fourth and Inches with Jen and the Sherpa. And for those of you who are getting into daily fantasy football now, we'll probably be uh talking a lot about that this season too.
1: Great. Okay. Well listen, Scott, nice speaking with you. Thanks so much. Hope everything's going well and uh Congratulations again on your you're going to be a married man soon and uh, all the best this year in uh, the end of the our baseball season and the beginning of the
0: football season. Thanks so much, Robert. Always a pleasure. All right. Be well.
1: Okay, everybody, that's our show, uh, all football. Uh, And uh, most of you are going into your drafts now. So I hope you have a blast with it and good luck to everybody. Remember, uh, we'll be back. Actually, we're going to be back uh, this coming Thursday with another show. Uh, which I'll be promoting on social media. But I want to get this in on Sunday night and uh, make it kind of a special occasion with a special guest and my friend Scott Sweeney, Fantasy Football Sherpa, Fantasy Baseball Sherpa also. So all the best, everybody. And if you play your cards right, remember, guys, guys finish first.